0: This is Jim Laws along with Nat Ayers, and we're coming to you on the Gospel is for All uh, internet radio broadcast. This radio program is brought to you by the TGRN Network, and we are delighted that you're with us today, and we're very happy to study with you about the Word of God once again. We are coming from the Broadway Church of Christ in Tyler, Texas, and I encourage you to come and visit with us whenever you possibly can. I'd like to give you a special invitation to come and be with us during our Spring Gospel Meeting, which begins April the 24th and will continue through Wednesday night, April 27th. The theme for the meeting this year is The New Testament New Testament Christianity in a Modern World. And our guest speaker is Rick Brumbach from Austin, Texas. And we're delighted to have him, and we'd certainly be happy to have you come and be with us during our Spring Gospel Meeting. It'll start Sunday morning. Bible classes at nine o'clock. Our worship service is at ten, and then our Sunday night worship service will begin at six o'clock. And each mon- each night, Monday through Wednesday night, will be at seven p.m. That's April the twenty fourth through the twenty seventh. The Broadway Church of Christ, New Testament Christianity, in a modern world. I think you can see just how valuable a biblical discussion along that subject will be. It seems like every day that we live, and every week that passes we see new challenges to New Testament Christianity, and we often ask ourselves the question, what really should our response be? Well, that'll be the focus of our consideration in worshiping together during that particular time, the spring gospel meeting. Now, we have been talking about a very interesting passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and Nat, I'm going to ask you to read that for us. And the focus of our attention has been on what the cross teaches. And this was a good passage to go to to learn that and to use as a beginning point on that important thought. And so, Nat, I'm going to ask you to uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then we'll begin our reading at about verse 18 and read on down through verse
1: 25. Very good. Thank you, Jim. Uh, it's good to be with you. Sorry we missed, I missed last week. I know Jim brought you this lesson. I hate to miss the beginning of this, but I'm ready to jump in uh, full steam. And what a, uh, a wonderful uh, lesson, or what a wonderful topic to study. You know, of, of all the symbols that are in the world today, the cross is probably the most recognizable symbol uh, that there is today. And and uh, there's much to learn to know beyond just that symbol. What does that cross truly mean? to uh christians and uh and i think that's a, it's going to be a good topic of study let's look at this in first corinthians one, eighteen. for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god um you know jim when you see this passage you know there are many today like we said we Talk about the the symbolism or the symbolic uh, nature of the cross uh you know you see it in art, you see it uh all around um, people hang across on their walls, they decorate it, put flowers on it They're even people today I guess go so far as with the tattoos and the things uh body art type of stuff but uh you know are they truly seeing the power? of the cross just by this symbol, you know, to the world it's folly or it's uh, maybe even it's made a mockery of the is It's, it's, um, you know, it's seen as a symbol, seen as a beautiful piece of art. But in reality, the cross uh, brought about death to Christ. And only through that death and the resurrection, uh, do we have uh, the power of our salvation. And so, uh, to us that have been saved by what was demonstrated on that cross, uh, the the cross is everything to us as a Christian. It 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 is the the reason, along with the resurrection, that we have the hope of salvation. And uh, so, to much of the world, it's folly. But to uh, to those who've been saved by it, to understand the cross. There's great power behind that that symbol of the cross.
0: It is so true. And as uh, we notice, it is a powerful emblem today. But yes. as you pointed out, in the first century period of time, the cross only meant one thing That's to right. them, and it meant death. That's right. And it was a horrible and cruel death that, uh, uh, that they had to endure, and criminals of the state did endure. And it was a horrible and cruel death that Jesus endured. Yes. Uh, what we're looking at primarily, Paul emphasizes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 here, about uh, the importance of that cross to the Christian. To a lot of people, as you pointed out, Nat, it's just uh, folly. But to us which are saved, it is the power of God. And we were trying to explore that. We are trying to look at what all the cross means uh, to us and the existence of that cross. And one of the things that we mentioned last uh, week was that the cross means the existence of God. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus dying on the cross refers us to the existence of God. And there are a lot of ways that we know about God's existence. Uh, the, na- the world in which we live by nature, the Bible tells us about the existence of God, and we can know that God exists because the Bible is the inspired word of God. But the fact that Jesus is the Son of God also tells us the significance of uh, the cross And that God does exist. But another point, and we might pick up here with this uh, matter, is in Romans chapter 3. There are several passages in Romans chapter 3. The cross tells us that we're guilty of sin, and that's one of the important uh, lessons that we learn from the cross, and that's one of the important points that Paul is making out of the third chapter of the book of Romans. For example, Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, and in that, if if you uh, have that there, why don't you read verse 9 and verse 10 and then verse 23 as it talks about uh, man being guilty of sin.
1: Sure. Uh, Verse 9 of of Romans 3, What then, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. And then in 23, 23, this is a very famous passage, very Mm -hmm. quotable scripture, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, what have we fallen, you know, under? Or, you know, what was the glory of God? And the glory of God is Christ. Uh, His His greatest glory is his son. And we have all fallen under that mark. Uh, When we've committed one sin, We've uh, fallen under the mark of the, uh, uh, fallen below the mark of the glory of God, and we've all missed that mark. We've all fallen under uh, that glory, and so um, you know that cross uh, should have been for us. That that cross, the death, the the wages of sin is death, and that means that we've earned death. It's we've we've. Uh, done things worthy of the wage of death, and that that uh what we've done is we've sinned and and uh it's always taken death to bring us back to God, mm-hmm. and it took jesus' death on the cross and what power there was in that
0: that is so true Ned. you know while we're here in Romans chapter three, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh verses twenty four through twenty six and let's uh Consider that while we're at this opening in the Bible. If you're following along with us, we're in the third chapter of Romans, and right now we're looking at what the cross teaches us. certainly yes. teaches us of God's existence, but one of the great things that it teaches us is that we're guilty of sin. But there's another point here that the cross teaches that Paul gets at in Romans three twenty four through 26, and that is the righteousness of God. What are we going to do about this sin? The cross says something must be done about our sin. Yeah. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And if we don't do something about our sin, what's going to happen? We're going to be lost eternally. Right. So if you would, uh, Nat, go ahead and read sure. verses 24 through 26, and let's see how Paul develops that important point.
1: Okay, 24, and are, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know, Jim, when you read this passage, you know, it's it's hard to fathom the righteousness, the mercy, the grace of God. Uh, for sinners, you know, I, I don't know anyone that would uh, question whether or not uh, we sin. Uh, I think all of us would agree yeah, we sin. I'm sure. And we serve a righteous God who knows not sin, who cannot be in the presence of sin, but yet has made it a way for us to be able to come back to him through the blood, the propitiation uh, of Jesus. And, um, you know, it shows his righteousness all the more, it shows his grace all the more, um through the forgiveness of our sins. Um, but it's sh- this last part so that he must might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That faith mm-hmm. is what makes that possible. Yeah. Uh that true faith, that active faith, um, is what uh allows us allows him to shower us with that grace.
0: That's so true. And it's certainly a lesson that the cross of Christ is teaching us. It's teaching us God's uh, righteousness, that yes. He loved us so much that He knew something's got to be done with regard to sin. Yes. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. I think I'll read this. It's Romans 8, 1 through 5, and it uh, talks about this very point. Right. Uh, that point being that something must be done about our sins. In Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I'll read one more verse. I'm in Acts 8, now verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. God has taken the initiative to help us and to get us out of this problem with sin. He cannot just overlook it. He just can't shrug his shoulders and say, oh, well, man sinned, so let's forget about it. Well, his righteous judgment and his uh, uh, righteous justice can't allow that to happen. He's a god of love, isn't yes. he? But at the same time, he's a god of justice, and yes. that's the point Paul's dealing with, trying to help us understand both in Romans chapter three and here in Romans chapter eight. And I, I really appreciate Romans eight one where he says, there is therefore now no No. condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So this is certainly one of the great lessons that the cross teaches. Let me uh, make another point here, Nat, and I'll ask you to turn to Ephesians 2. And uh, the verse that I have in mind, verse 8 and 9, and again, I'm sure you're very familiar with these verses. If you're following along with us today, and I hope you have your Bible handy, We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and one of the great points that the cross of Christ teaches is the fact we're really helpless to do this all on our own. Now, we're going to cover an important point about the need for man to properly obey and respond to the grace of God. But it's very clear, I can't save myself. I am helpless all on my own to do this matter. The cross of Christ is teaching me that important point. Nat, if you have Ephesians sure. two eight and nine, go ahead and read for us. Yes,
1: for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that it may, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, you read this passage, and you know, truly, there is nothing like you said from the from the garden forward. There was a problem with sin. Right. Uh and it was, you know, through the old testament we see the the blood of bulls and goats uh, being almost as a, a band aid or a satisfier, if you would, mm. for a time. But it but it it required more than just the blood of bulls and goats yeah. to yeah. to justify this situation, to bring this this situation uh uh to bring it to, to justice. Uh, and so it took the blood of a perfect sacrifice, which was Christ on the cross uh, for our sins. And and it's by grace. There's nothing that we could do to fill that gap of sin, to to come back to a relationship with God after we've sinned. The only thing that can bring us back into that relationship is the blood of Christ. That on is the cross. so true.
0: So true. And that's grace. Yeah, the grace of God. We just can't live a perfect life. No, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, as you read earlier, and all are in need of the Savior. doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, how good you might think you are, all are guilty of sin and all need the Savior. And uh, we need to recognize that fact. We need God's grace in this matter. Uh, You know, I think sometimes, and I mentioned verses 8 and verse 9, and that's really a a popular passage on this matter about grace. But I think what I'll do is go back up there a few verses to verse 4. Now, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and we're looking at what the cross teaches. And the cross is teaching us that we could not save ourselves, that we need God's help in this matter. But notice in verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved. So a lot of this matter of grace really goes back to the quality of God's mercy. It was because of his love and mercy that we have the grace. And God did not have to do that, but because God is perfect in love and perfect in mercy, uh, he offers that grace to us. Uh, The point is being made here at the present, we cannot save ourselves. You
1: know, Jim, there's no really other relationship that I can think of in this world that offers, uh, such forgiveness, such mercy. Uh, there's not another individual, you know, you can't break the laws of this land repeatedly and them say, okay, we're just going to let that go. We're going to forgive that because we love you so much as a yeah. citizen. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, there's yeah. not a, you know, even uh, as parents or children, there are things that you could do that can ruin a relationship. Right. Uh, right. that there's no coming back from when right. we see people going right. to their, to their graves with unforgiving relationships, but we have a God who loves us so much that no matter what we've done, if we'll be willing to repent and come back, he, he loves it and will give us that grace.
0: Absolutely. And there's not another Absolutely. individual, not
1: another relationship. There's no one that loves us and is merciful to us. As God.
0: I think it's a very good point, Nat. I don't know of any, as you were talking about that, I don't know of any other relationship that's capable of that other yeah. than our relationship with God. Well, God has the power to forgive. Yes. Uh, not only is He willing and wanting to, He has the power to do it. And the best verse that I can think of to illustrate that point and to teach that lesson is Romans 1 uh, 16 and 17. So if you'll turn to that passage, we'll study it together. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And that's one of the great lessons that I'm learning from the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is saying that God has the power to save you. Uh, you are guilty of sin, you can't save yourself, and it would be a terrible world if we would just end it at that. But God has the power to save and is willing to save. And this is one of the great verses that illustrates that. We're in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Nat, go ahead and read this verse for us.
1: For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, "The righteous live by faith." You know, there's power in the gospel when when a person believes the gospel and becomes has an active faith of obedience to the gospel. Uh, there's great power in that because because God is willing, able to forgive all sins. Uh, to give grace and mercy to everyone who believes. Imagine what this meant, Jim. I always imagine what this meant to those first Christian, Greek Christians, who for uh, generations had been separated from God. You know what it meant to them to uh, all of a sudden it's it's available for everyone who believes, who actively has that uh, active faith and obedience, uh, right. and who believes that God's grace and forgiveness. And today. It's for everyone. It's for the vilest of offenders. The vilest sinners can come to the cross and uh, seek forgiveness.
0: Exactly so. Uh, it's a great point that we always need to keep in mind, and that's God's power. That's right. God wants to save us. He has the power to save us. But here's another element to that. God, God offers salvation to us. Yes. Uh, it would be one thing to say that God has the power and God wants to. And end it there, but yeah. the Bible doesn't end it there. The Bible says God wants you right. to accept uh, this right. saving message and and receive forgiveness of sin, and that's what the cross is all about. Yeah. You know, one of the great passages about that is Matthew chapter eleven. And um, if you're reading along with me and with Nat and I today from your home and listening over the internet radio program, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter eleven, verse twenty eight? And uh, 28, 29, and 30 is a beautiful Bible passage which talks about the offer which God is making to save us through his Son and through that cross.
1: Yes, beautiful passage. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, we see from the cross that 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 the the labor and the the uh, weight of sin can can draw you down, bring you down and, and Christ has already taken that upon himself and he desires for you to come to him and uh let him remove this burden. But Jim, you know, when I read this passage and you made light of this and it, it sort of a little brain bubble popped in my head here. Um, you know, We've talked about this here in the last little bit. You know, there are those that would believe that this grace that God offers, you know, that he offered it to some, but maybe not others. You know, that it may be limited or that it may be so irresistible to some, even Jim, that they they don't have a choice in it. They're like robots or puppets. And it, it draws some, but the others, there's no hope of it ever drawing. But we see here that this is a an open ended uh, uh invitation for all who are weary and it's not for a select few it's not and we don't see him pulling puppets saying here you these that are weary, are coming to me mm-hmm. it's an invitation
0: right. Uh, right not a forced proposal well the point point nat is making is a very important one we can reject the yes. offer we have the freedom to say yes or the freedom to say no. Yes. And I'm sorry to say, most people are going to say no right. to this offer. Uh, and as Nat was pointing out, it's implied in come to me. Yep. It's not that it's not demanding you got to come to me yep. and you don't have any choice in the matter. Right. It is a question of here's an invitation for you to come to me. And as you were pointing out, Notice how he uses the word all. Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden. It's not just, uh, you know, if man were determined before the world began, some to be lost and some to be saved, what's the point of inviting anybody? That's right. Uh, If some are determined beforehand in the mind of God in an arbitrary fashion to be lost before the world ever began, as Calvinism teaches, then um, you know passages like this would be superfluous. Yes. The sinner can't come.
1: Yes,
0: uh, He's already determined before the world began to be lost. Yes. But now passages like this and many others in the New Testament teach us clearly that it's up to man's free will. He has the volition to say yes or no, and God is expecting us to say yes to yes. this offer, but it's our choice to make it. Well,
1: I think that's such a good point. We're talking about the grace and the mercy that comes through the cross, but it's a choice. It that you're it's it's not uh there are lots of people that resist that grace in this world around us, that go through this life burdened with sin, that choose not to come to Christ. But it's a choice. It's not a, a robot or a string pulling thing. It's a choice.
0: It's a choice we have to make. Yes. And many people are going to pay the penalty for failing to make the right choice. But the Bible is very clear on the kind of choice that we should be making. It's a necessary choice that we must make. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, you're going to find a very interesting verse, about verse 21, where the Bible is saying that obedience is really necessary. And without it, I cannot receive the grace of God and joy, uh, the forgiveness of God. In yeah. fact, that's one of the great lessons that the cross is saying in Matthew seven twenty-one through 23. If you want to accept Christ's offer of salvation, as it is outlined in the pages of the New Testament, you must freely and lovingly obey the gospel of Christ. Matt, why don't you go ahead and read that verse for us. It's sure. found for us in Matthew 7, and I'm thinking of 21 through 23. Sure.
1: Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, there's two words, lawlessness, workers of lawlessness. They weren't following the law or the will in verse 22 of the Lord you know there it seems to me jim that these were sincere people these were faith um they're people that had faith in god or had a belief in god maybe but yet they weren't willing to follow the will of god you know they were sincere in what they did they said they did it in his name but he said, you didn't, you didn't follow my will, so I count you as lawless.
0: Yeah, they didn't follow. They didn't do it by the authority of Christ, no, did they? No. There are a lot of people, and I hear that a lot. They say, well, he's a good person, yep. or they do a lot of good work. Yep. And there's a lot of that out there. But keep in mind, we can't earn our way to salvation, yep. and we cannot put God in our debt so much so that he owes it to us. It's not a matter of me earning it. It is a matter of me out of faithful obedience Accepting it and receiving it. In fact, uh, we ought to end today's our times kind of running away with us, with Romans chapter six, because there it tells us very clearly what we must do in order to obey Christ and to receive the forgiveness of sins. If I want the benefit of the blood of that cross, then there are certain things that I must do in order to receive it. I am to repent of my sins, Luke thirteen three, and confess my faith unto Christ, Matthew ten thirty two and thirty three. And I'm to be immersed in water for the remission of sins. And I thought, Nat, you'd read for us Romans 6, 3 through 5 and help us see how Paul develops that point.
1: Another great lesson of the cross right here. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, too, might walk in a newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. You know, there's so many today that want to discount baptism to say, well, it's just an outward sign of an inward faith or an inward grace. But we have, we must see through scriptures here that this is how uh, the Lord wants us to be united with him, uh, with Christ, that to be united with his death. Burial and resurrection. When we are baptized into Christ, we are united, we see here. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too much walk in a new life. For if we've been united with him in his death, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection. God wants us to be united, united with his Son, and he's asked us to do this through baptism. And so, um, we must not discount this. This is a great lesson from the cross. Jim, this has been a good series of, of lessons, and uh, we look forward to the next time we can be with you.